And greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad and Shabbat Shalom, Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. We are here. We are sanctified and ready to go in Revelation chapter 14. Thank all of you for tuning in and all of you in the chat. And most of all, thank you for all of you that do support this ministry. It is so appreciated in these troublesome and turbulent times. But I love Revelation 14 because you know what? There is a hope, there is a peace, and this is one of my favorite passages to jump into Revelation 14. It's not from Revelation 14, but I'm going to tie it into Revelation 14. It's our hope, it's our passion, and it takes me out of the miry clay and brings me into a whole new realm of spiritual empowerment. It's Hebrews chapter 12, one of my favorite texts, verse 22. We're going to tie this in because this is the vision. This is the spiritual awakening we need to get through these COVID crazy apocalyptic times. Instead of having a depressing attitude of despondency and turmoil, let's get the vision. Here's the vision. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living Elohim. Who wants to go there? I want to go there not only in the eschatological future, but I want to go there right now in my mind, in my daily life, in my interactions with humanity and this world. I want to go there on my knees in the morning prayer. I want to go there in my devotionals. This is where I am. Verse 22 of Hebrews chapter 12. But ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living Elohim, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels and the general assembly of the ecclesia, the called out ones, the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to Yahweh, who is the judge of all, and to the Ruachim, the spirits of just men made perfect. This is the realm I'm living in. This is the realm of empowerment to get me through this wicked, deceitful, and corrupt world. Because we have a hope, we have a plan, and it's not in this world that's perishing. This world that is depressed, this world that is despondent, this world that has got no hope, that is full of corruption, whether it be from the top down or the bottom up, the dregs of society, or to those that are running the puppets behind the curtain. It's corrupt, but we have a pure hope. And this is not just an eschatological future, I assure you. It is my present reality, but I have to fight for it. I've got to tell you the truth. I do have to fight for it. Let's claim the land. Let's take the city. Let's bring it down into our reality. Revelation chapter 14, we're going to dig in, but this is the worldview that you and I must apprehend to get through the next three to four months. Please, let's get Hebrews 12 
verse 22. Let's get that city from up there, in here, in here, and into our living man and woman so we can walk on the land and we can be the living people that we are interacting with a fallen world, but from a victory standpoint. Because in Revelation 14, we're seeing this descending. But meanwhile, in this world that is run by the synagogue of Satan, they are looking to the earthly Jerusalem, which Paul spoke about to the Galatians in the fourth chapter. This whole COVID-19 world is the earthly Jerusalem. It's perishing. It's falling away. It's dying. And a people, a secular society that has no hope, they are dying with it. They are suffocating. They are suffocating in this world. Now, the temptation for me is to battle that world. But my war is not against that world. It's not against their flesh and blood. It's not against their laws and all of that. Because we are out of that jurisdiction into the jurisdiction of the heavenly kingdom as the living man and woman that we are. And that's the powerful reality. It's the powerful reality. And I looked and I saw a lamb. It is the blessed lamb. It is always going to be the lamb. It is the lamb that stood on Mount Zion. The lamb that rescued me from this wicked and corrupt generation. The lamb that gave me a marriage. The lamb that gave me children. The lamb that gave me you, my brethren, because we are are under the blood of the Lamb on Mount Zion and with him 144,000 of you out there Israelites having his father's name written in their foreheads. Mount Zion does stand for the eschatological victory which according to the revelation is the new Jerusalem which comes down from heaven and it is from Yahuwah. It's time for a reality check from all of this doom and COVID gloom. And I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself just as much. Just as much. We are truly blessed, brethren, to be able to be mingled amongst the nations with our standing and status assured in the heavenly Jerusalem above. Our standing and status doesn't come from the governor. Our standing and status doesn't come from men. Our standing and status is written in the heavenlies. Stand! And if you can still stand, stand. And it takes you out of the realm of death, which is the COVID-19 world, which everybody is flurrying around in. It is a quagmire of quicksand. You don't have to be in there. You don't have to be in there. Unlike the world of chaos, we have a hope, and it is the dwelling in the Jerusalem above now. In my mind, in my soul, when I'm at work, when I'm at play, when I'm interacting, and people see it, and you can move mountains, move mountains in the world. So let's do a quick, though, eschatology check to see if we've been deceived in our thinking, 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 by the whore and by this corrupt world. Because if we want to know about the eschatological future, 
then who should we go check with? Me? No, heaven forbid. Let's go check with a prophet. Isaiah the prophet. Because he's the man that understood the eschatological future. Did he write about the piercing and nailing of the lamb before it even happened? Did he write about the Jerusalem that is descending before it even happened? So let's check with Isaiah to see if we're on track or if we've got stinking thinking. Isaiah 56 will talk to us and give us a reality check of our eschatological future and our heavenly perspective. Isaiah 56, let's turn there. I'll jump in the second verse. I want a reality check because I'm telling you the truth, brethren. I had to be called out in my thinking. And I'm thankful that I have people in my life that can communicate to me and help me counselors and mentors and I'm not going to not listen to that because we all need to be helped so my reality check Isaiah 56 verse 2 blessed is the man that does this and the son of man that layeth hold of it that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and keepeth his hand from doing any evil so the Sabbath is done away with correct no in the eschatological future, the Sabbath is still very much present. So if we're saying that the Sabbath is done away with, have we been deceived by the whore and by the trappings of this world? Because Isaiah the prophet is giving us a kingdom reset. Is Sabbath part of your future? According to the prophet Isaiah it is, so should Sabbath be part of your present? Well, it better be, because if it's not, then you're out of step with scripture look at the sixth verse also the sons of the stranger that join themselves to Yahuwah so in the eschatological future is it about an elite class of Levites and if you're not in that elite class you're done for is it or is it about every creed every color every nation coming together that can join themselves to Yah. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter whether you're a dwarf or a giant. If you, well, we don't want to get into the Nephilim. But whatever, whosoever, whosoever means whosoever, can come and join themselves to Yahuwah to serve him and to love the name of Yahuwah, to be his servants. Everyone that keepeth, oh, there's a qualifier, that keepeth the Sabbath, from polluting it and taking hold of my covenant. Two qualifiers in that verse. Firstly, it's open to everybody. Not just a class of Levites. If you think the eschatological future or the kingdom to come or the temple is open to just Levites, you've disqualified yourself. Because it's open to all the sons of the stranger and all that join themselves to Yahuwah. But the two qualifiers are, they've got to keep the Sabbath and they've got to be in covenant. This isn't works-based salvation. No, we're talking eschatology. That's what we're talking about, right? Look at verse 13. 
If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight. Children, do we call the Sabbath a delight? We do. Raised in it, raised in it, my children. From the womb, raised in it. A delight, the holy day of Yahuwah. It should be a day of honor. And you shall honor him. Not doing your own things, not your own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. So don't kindle a fire on the Sabbath. No contentions, no bickering, no squabbling. Not your own words. Look at the 66th chapter of Isaiah. That scripture I just gave you was not the 56th chapter. It was the 58th chapter in the 13th verse. Come on, Matthew, pay attention. Isaiah 66, verse 23. Last night I did sleep reasonably well. The night before I slept very well. The night before that I had one hour's sleep. I was working on the sermon and working on trying to sleep. And sometimes the two just do not meet. Hence, forgot to put the verse in there. Sorry about that. And the chapter. Isaiah 66, verse 23. And it shall come to pass that from one new month to another, and from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith Yahuwah. So this is our eschatological reality check of where is the kingdom. The kingdom in Isaiah's future should be our present reality. And if we're going to be preparing for the kingdom, we need to be welcoming of all people that name the name of Yahuwah, regardless. That there is no special class of people because Yahuwah is not a respecter of persons. This is open to every tribe, every creed. We are a multi-ethnic Joseph's coat, right? Number two... Let's start keeping the Sabbath. And number three, let's make sure we're in the book of the covenant, keeping covenant. We need to be Malkitetic because ultimately I saw a lamb who stood on Mount Zion and with him was 144,000 Israelites having his father's name written in their forehead. You see the qualifiers of our kingdom reality. It's not just in the future for me and you to get over this depressing world and all this depressing news and all these depressing YouTubes. We need to apprehend Hebrews chapter 12 verse 22 and bring it into our reality because that is the future here in Isaiah 56 and 58 and Isaiah 66 and it is the future that is seen in Revelation 14 and Revelation isn't all apocalyptically bad Matthew but you know I always like to look for the apocalypse in everything now the problem though with religion is that it looks with the eyes, right? It looks at the earthly Zion and abuses the law, it abuses the priesthood, and in doing so, it puts them into the deceived space of Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, this, of course, could be prevented by not chucking out the book of Hebrews and specifically 
paying attention to it. The true litmus test, I believe, can be found whether we are living ready for the kingdom with the prophecy of Mount Zion. And that prophecy is the Isaiah 66 prophecy. Do we match it or do we conflict with it? Do we match it or do we conflict with it? Now, everything begins back in Bereshit in Genesis, in the beginning. And our covenant reality began in Genesis chapter 12. We've covered that. Isaiah qualifies the kingdom with the Sabbath and the covenant. So if we're going to match the words of Isaiah and bring the eschatological future into our present reality, we need to see if we are in conflict with it in our lives, in our thinking, or ever are we matching it and living it. Now, let's turn to Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Now, there's many different views when we get into Isaiah on Isaiah. And I'll touch on that. I'm also going to touch on Isaiah ben Amos, who was, of course, mid-8th century before the Common Era. I'll touch a little bit on him. But in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, this is going to be our foundational text. I might not be able to get all to, to all of it this week, but um, we'll lead into it with Isaiah 66 today and tie this in with Hebrews 12 and hopefully the Mount Zion on Revelation 14. So what on earth am I talking about? I hope that I am communicating clearly. I may not be, and I will attempt to do so, is to show you that in Revelation 14, our eschatological future, Mount Zion, can be apprehended right now to get us through this dark and depressing world. We can apprehend it by implementing Hebrews chapter 12 into our very prayer life, into our reading, into our thinking. But we need to make sure that we are on the proper eschatological track that we're not deceived by mystery Babylon and the whore and to do that we're not going to listen to my words we're going to listen to the prophet Isaiah's words who qualifies the eschatological future which we're bringing into our present reality does that make sense it makes perfect sense to me Isaiah no Genesis no yes Genesis chapter 12 verse 3 now Yahuwah said to Avram, get out of your country and from your mishpocha, your family, and from your Abba's Bayit house to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a goy gadol, a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a bracha, a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you, and I shall curse him that curse you. The eschatological future that we can bring down into our reality is that we can get kingdom favor walking amongst men, and they get the blessing as they bless us. Or those that oppose us, they get curses upon them, compounding. And Yahweh will do the work. I see it in my life. I see it. It is 
fantastic. Nice moustache. Nice moustache. Did you just come in? When did you do the stash? You look like a 1980s race car driver. Ouch. Doesn't he? Man. Watch out, ladies. All right, don't pan the camera over in his direction. But you are single and ready to mingle. And we are going to be talking about mingling here in Genesis. See, I can tie anything into the scripture. Almost anything. Genesis chapter 12, we are going to be talking about mingling. And we are going to be... And Abraham actually was single at this point too. So we can tie singling and mingling right into the text. See how I did that? And I will bless them that bless you and curse him that curses you. And you shall be all mishpocha, a family of the earth, mingled. Now the Hebrew, check out the Hebrew here. Now I am so rusty on the Hebrew. But I'll give it a crack because, you know, you like a laugh, I like a laugh. But if we look at this in the Hebrew, it says, Va avarecha me varecha u melecha a eve nivrechu, nivrechu vecha ko mishpocha ha adama. And you can do in your Bible software and read it. Now, Contemporary scholars, of course, lacking faith because they've been affected by the world, they, they don't believe the prophet Isaiah the way that I believe the prophet Isaiah. You see, I believe that the word of Yahweh is inspired and written and inspired and men write it out. But Yahweh gives the inspiration. But they've divided Isaiah up into three sections, which I'm not a fan of. But this is how contemporary scholars lacking faith do it. Number one, they look to the Isaiah of Jerusalem, which is chapters 1 through 39. Number two, they look to a prophet at the time of the exile, and they call this Deutero-Isaiah, and that's chapters 40 through 55. And then number three, they look to a post-exilic prophet, or they call it the third Isaiah, chapter 56 through 66. Now, I don't buy any of that, but that's what modern scholars, and if you're into studying, you will often find this comes up, this worldview. And it is, I think, a secular worldview of the scriptures which I disagree with. Why? Why do they do this? Because they have trouble, real trouble, with their lack of faith, reconciling the last half of the book as the predictions of Isaiah. You see, oracles of doom begin the book, but themes of consolation, beginning in chapter 40 of Isaiah, end the book, with the return from exile over two centuries later. And they just can't seem to comprehend that. It makes perfect sense to me. Makes perfect sense. But I'm a man of great faith. 
But chapters 1 through 39 of Isaiah are, are, are actually addressed to a nation during the Assyrian invasion, 740 before the Common Era to 700 before the Common Era. Chapters 40 through 55 of Isaiah are addressed to the exiles in Babylon, 600 to 539 before the Common Era. And then chapters 56 through 66 is addressed to the community after its return from the land, 539 to 500 before the Common Era. So, so what's so hard for these contemporary scholars to believe is that Isaiah miraculously prophesies the naming of Cyrus more than a century beforehand, chapter 44, verse 28. I don't find that hard to believe because I'm a man of great faith. And I believe that Isaiah had the ability to prophesy more than a century beforehand the naming of Cyrus. Do you? What's so difficult about that? Because they have no faith. Because their worldview is the earthly Jerusalem. Their faith is not a faith in action. That's why they believe this way. We cannot check with that. Because that's not reality. That's a deception. But not only that, Isaiah is brilliant because he tops this off by predicting Yahusha's birth by a virgin in chapter 7. How did he do that? Because Yahweh gave him the vision. He was before his time. He's a prophet, just like Jeremiah the prophet. And then, as we all know, Isaiah of course, knew the prophecy of the crucifixion and subsequent resurrection of Yahusha in chapter 53. It's absolutely remarkable. But secular scholars, they, contemporary scholars, secular scholars, I would say, they just can't wrap their heads around with it. Some would even assert that Isaiah, now, someone like myself would assert that Isaiah even prophesied 9-11. Okay? In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 8. It's brilliant. The nations did say back in that day, the day after, in their blooming pride and in their arrogance of heart, as the twin towers came a tumbling down, the bricks are fallen, the bricks are fallen, but we shall be rebuilt, we'll rebuild. Freedom Tower. We'll cut the stones. Oh yes, the sycamore right outside the church, that did fall down, but we'll replace it with cedars. And they blooming well did. Yeah, I think Isaiah knew exactly how wicked and corrupt the synagogue of Satan were. That's our present day reality. Look at John chapter 12, verse 37. But though he... Yahushua had done many signs before them, yet they believed not on him. Contemporary scholars who study the book of Isaiah, they do not believe on Yahushua. Not the way you and I do. That the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, saying, now quoting Isaiah 53 verse 1, Who has believed our report? And whom has the arm of the master Yahuwah been revealed? Therefore they could not believe. Because Isaiah said again, 
now quoting from Isaiah chapter 6 verse 10, they have blinded their eyes, they have hardened their hearts, they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, and return, and I would heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spoke of him. So Isaiah the prophet is the man, in my humble opinion, that we need to align ourselves with to get the eschatological future into our present day reality. Because his testimony is true, his witness is true in multiple aspects, even down to 9-11 in my humble opinion. And if we want to get the kingdom of heaven in our reality today, in our mindset today, Revelation 14, Hebrews 12, 22, we got to align with Isaiah. Let's jump to Isaiah chapter 66. Because John, right here in John chapter 12, he has no problem attributing what contemporary scholars call proto-Isaiah, Isaiah 6.10, and deutero-Isaiah, Isaiah 53 verse 1, simply to who? The prophet Isaiah. It's all the prophet Isaiah. It's not three different kind of secular people that... I don't believe in that stuff because I'm a man of strong faith. And if you're going to apprehend the kingdom, you need to be men and women of strong faith too. Bring Mount Zion down from up there into here and most importantly into there and speak it out of there and stand as the living man because that was Isaiah. And there is neither male or female, slave or free, Greek or Jew in the kingdom of Yahushua. We are all Echad one. Aren't we? Powerful stuff. We need it in this day. Isaiah 66. Isaiah served Yahuwah in a role as covenant prosecutor. He was a trust protector with a prophetic mantle and he crushed the enemies of Yahuwah and that's what we can do because they'll end up crushing themselves under their multitude of sins you curse Israel you'll be cursed you bless Israel you'll be blessed and we're not talking about the fraud in the Middle East we're talking about Yahuwah's people all Israel, all 12 tribes, Revelation 7, right? You with me? You with me in the back? All you moustached up gentle friends? Several of you out there today. Very nice indeed. Isaiah is summoned to represent the heavenly court. And you and I are summoned to represent the heavenly court today. Not the earthly courts. But we can represent the heavenly court in the earthly courts. And you guess what? That puts you in a whole different realm. Takes you out of their jurisdiction. That's everything. Jurisdiction changes everything in an instant. In an instant. It's so powerful. And in this COVID-19 world, and salvifically... It's all jurisdiction. I was under the jurisdiction of Satan because I'm a sinner. 
But the moment I accepted Yahusha, my jurisdiction changed in an instant. Remove me out of the core of death that then had no jurisdiction over me and moved me into the kingdom of life of a foreign, foreign jurisdiction. And the two cannot dialogue. You want to live that? You can live that in this world. And the kingdoms of men, they literally spin like tops. Desperate. Because they cannot comprehend it. It's all code to them. It's all code. Because Yahweh has blinded the fools of the world. People come to me all the time and ask me questions. We've got executive orders coming out left and right. I'm like, slow down. Slow it down. What is it called? It's called an executive order. Right, right. It's telling you something, right? It's not called an executive law, right? Because laws are enacted by what? You wait till November and you vote on it. Then it becomes a law. Until then, it's an order. Orders, you obey every order, do you? If it's an unlawful order, do you obey it? Right? Because there's a whole bunch of people that turned up on, for war crimes because they obeyed unlawful orders. Now we're starting to think like the kingdom of heaven. Now we're starting to change the world in which we live in a very powerful way. And it is empowering and terrifying to those that are perishing because they cannot understand. It's suffocating like a mask on your face. You cannot get the right amount of oxygen and your brain starts to cloud and fog. And the next time as the temperatures rise, as the furnace get hotter, people are passing out as they're driving in their cars protecting themselves from themselves. <laughs> wow. That's what happens when you go to state education camps. You don't think for yourselves anymore. You swim in Kool-Aid. <laughs> Isaiah is a trust protector, a covenant prosecutor. His messages consisted of charges, condemnation, and judgments as he declares Yahweh's curses on Israel, Judah, and the nations. Isaiah is summoned, yes, summoned to represent the heavenly court. If somebody's going to summon you, it better be to the heavenly court. Otherwise, we, as believers, have an obligation to challenge the jurisdiction. Because I am not my own. I have been purchased by the Lamb, and the Lamb controls my thinking, my breathing. Because I'm the living man, and you're the living woman. Some of you are not getting what I'm saying, and some of you are getting the profundity of it. That's okay. That's okay. 
Isaiah is summoned to represent the heavenly core in Jerusalem's earthly core. Israel and Judah, they had become like the Gentiles. They had lost all vision of Yahweh's kingdom and righteousness. We too are under that temptation in this COVID-19 world. I'm, I'm just giving that clarion call unto myself as much as I am to you. Do not lose the vision of Yahuwah's kingdom of righteousness. It's the Mount Zion above that we can make our daily present reality that we need more than ever in this crazy world. And Yahuwah is alive. Yahusha is alive. Alive. I pray prayers and they are answered. I pray prayers and I am tested to the max and thrown in the, the, the crucible. But Yahweh sees me through and then I can come and appear strong and courageous. But just like the prophet Jeremiah, I cry out in the darkest times and in the middle hours of the night, Yahweh, I am a child. And he says, no, you're not a ward of the court. Don't you say you're a ward of the court, an infant belligerent. No, you are not. I foreknew you from the womb. And I shall make a defensive wall all around you and make you a pillar of iron that you will be able to speak and you shall not fear their faces and I shall put my words into you. And I'm like, yeah. Now the Zion of the eschatological future has become my present day reality. This is true. Do not be afraid in this wicked world because fear, intimidation, messes up with your mind. It's as if someone was to force you to put a gag over your mouth, which is totally Guantanamo Bay illegal to gag somebody, right? You do that in waterboarding. That comes under all of the stuff of Gitmo, which is in violation of the United States codes on torture. You want to switch the jurisdiction? Correct the definition. You're telling me this is a mask? I'm telling you it's a gag. And as a gag, it falls under all of the terrorism clauses and it falls under all of those violations. I challenge you. I don't believe what you're saying. Because the definition according to the law of a gag is something that is forced upon you, that inhibits your breathing, and then it causes stress, mental, physical, and emotional pain. And the classification of that is against everything 
that this grand country stands for. And if you're wondering what's on my hat, it says, we the people. Because some of us can still stand in the midst of tyranny everywhere. Tyranny. Because we know that we are of a different world. And I've lived that life now for over half of my life. It's powerful, isn't it? I've got a couple of moustache-wearing men nodding their heads. I'm with the stash men today. So, if you've got a stash, you're with me. And if not, some of you ladies, I don't know. We, all right, we won't go there. There's nothing worse than kissing your grandma when she's working on her stash, is there? <laughs> oh, good grief. Where were we? I was going off on a tangent. Let's have a sip from the old German sponsor today. Are we allowed to say that? Is that politically correct? Oh, my goodness. Oh, you mentioned Germans. Are you allowed to? Isaiah chapter 66. Powerful stuff. Isaiah, of course, summoned to the heavenly court. We can't establish our own righteousness within this kingdom of men. Our righteousness has been established for us by the Lamb in Mount Sion above. Romans chapter 10, verse 3. For they being ignorant, all of those little noodles out there, they are ignorant of Yahweh's righteousness, which makes them mine enemy. And mine enemies get cursed because they try to curse Israel. They don't realize they're doing it. They set snares and traps and they end up falling into their own snares and traps, as the prophecies say. Right? Because they're trying to establish their own righteousness because they are ignorant of Yahweh's righteousness. They go about trying to establish their own righteousness because they have not submitted to the righteousness of Yahweh. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. For Moshiach is the actual goal of the Torah. He's not the end of the Torah. The Greek word there is telos. It means he's the goal. The everything that the Torah is about, Yahushua is its fulfillment, its eschatological future, its eschatological presence. And Isaiah understood that. He comprehended it. For Moshiach is the actual goal of the Torah for an eternal righteous standing to everyone that believes. It's standing. What is your standing? Do you have right standing? If we are of the kingdom of Yahweh and we can apprehend the heavenly Zion and bring it down into our reality, it changes our standing, does it not? And we shall not fear their faces. And we shall be a pillar of iron. And we shall be a defensed city. And we shall be able to have favor. Because there are other people that recognize that and see that. I met a fabulous sheriff this week. Favor. Favor. 
There are good people all over the place. And there are wicked as hell corrupt people too. But you can't just write off the police. You can't write off the army. You can't write off the sheriffs. These are great men and women. Not all of them. Just like not all teachers are good. Not all astro <laughs> astronauts are good. <laughs> good grief. Silly boy. For Moshe. Now, now you're like, now where am I reading from, right? I'm keeping you guys wondering what jurisdiction of the Bible we're in. No, no, we're not. We're in Romans 10. See, you didn't have a clue, do you? I barely have a clue. Romans chapter 10, verse 5. For Moshe describes the righteousness that comes from the Torah, that the man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness that is of faith speaks of this manner. Look, you have to bear with me today. I needed some refreshment in the word, so therefore I am scattering many scriptures to be able to talk to you about the kingdom of heaven coming down into our reality. I can't always just be right in Revelation because it's a long book and it can be very depressing in a depressing world. So it can also be encouraging. But sometimes when bad stuff is being spoken about in the scripture and doom and judgments and bowls and trumpets, it can be all-consuming. So I hope that you're appreciating and tracking with me today because I feel inspired, I feel empowered, I'm living in it, and I think many of you out there, you're in the fight too. And we're engaged in the battle. And I was talking to my son here, and my wife was just saying, you know, why are you always so engaged? And, and me and my son were like, well, it's like, you know, being deployed to Fallujah in 2002 and being, you know, a lard ass, excuse my French. No, you're going to get in trouble. You better be engaged and in the battle when you're in a hot, hostile situation. Well, we are in a hot, hostile world, and the best engagement is to bring down the Zion from above into our present reality. That's all I'm saying. I most probably shouldn't have said that word, but that is in the um, Bible, okay? It's a donkey, A-S-S, -S, and lard, you know, pigs are in the Bible too, so give me, some, give me a break, okay? All right? And I get some grace because of my accent. Ass, 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 lord. All right. The guy in the back with the moustache is not laughing at my jokes. Feeling very uncomfortable right now. Check him for weapons, would you? Mm-hmm, yeah. Check him for moustache wax. Now, I know he doesn't have any weapons because he has a felony. It's all right, I'm not naming you. All right, or shaming you. We have a felon in our midst. Serious. And what do we find with that? What we're talking about here. We're talking about how Yahweh can deliver us all. Because like Paul said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. Because if I got caught doing all the things that I was doing when I was a young man,
I would be the felon, and I've got another moustache-wearing fella in the back giving me an amen. So anyway, and we do know that his situation was totally fabricated, and he was put in prison for the wrong reasons, and it was false and iniquitous. So anyway, back on that. Shouldn't have said that, but again, lots of things I shouldn't have said today. I'm going to get well trolled online. Well, back. Thank you, honey. Thank you. The wife is here today, keeping me in shape, but apparently not. Apparently not. Isaiah 66 does end with a vision from the heavenly court where there is covenant restoration within Yahuwah's righteousness. So all of this ties back, of course, to the book of the covenant and the book of the law in our thinking. Because if we're right in this ministry about the book of the covenant being restored, we would see it in the eschatological future, would we not? Or if we're wrong, then we would see a Levitical priesthood which is limiting to only a specific qualified people in the eschatological future. So that's where I'm going in this next section, so bear with me and I will try and not get into any more folly today. So, the Book of the Covenant, I suggest, is being restored in our very midst today, which is why I think you're tuning into this ministry. And we should see evidence of it here because it's all about restore, restore, restore. And if we're wrong, then we should see a return to the status quo and a precise reinstatement of Levitical Torah, right? It's one or t'other, correct? So before we start, let's be clear. There is no Levitical priesthood in Torah. Some people will be like talking about, oh, well, Levitical priesthood, it's all in the Torah. No, there is no Levitical priesthood in the Torah. Ask yourself this question. Why did Korah, who was a Levite, try and hijack the priesthood if he was already entitled to it? Right? There is no Levitical priesthood in Torah. It wasn't open to all Levites, was it? No. It went from Aaron to Ithamar to Eliezer, a specific line of which Korah was disqualified. So there was not a general all-encompassing, as many Messianics would say, oh, Levitical priesthood in the Torah, we're under... No. Otherwise, Korah wouldn't have tried to hijack it. It was never all-encompassing of Levites. It was only specific to a family within the house of Levi. And that, of course, was the Aaron, Ithamar, Eliezer line. General Levites were never, ever, ever admitted into the priesthood. They served as laborers to the priesthood. They were laborers. The tripartite division of utopian messianism where Isaiah's universalist vision of ecumenical... That's too big a word. I don't think I can say it. Ecumenicalism? I did say it. Oh, that's a big word for me today. It triumphs over all logical and national divisions. Isaiah 66 verse 18. Hit it with me. Let's get into this. Isaiah 66, verse 18. For I know their works and their thoughts shall come, and I will gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. 
So it's all nations. It's open to all, right? Not a restricted class. All nations, all tongues, they're all going to see his glory. This is about Mount Zion descending into our world today. And I will put a sign on them, and I will send some of them as survivors to the nations. That's what we are. We're the survivor. You remember the show Survivor? I never watched it. But when I was at Calvary Chapel, the pastor would preach on it every, I was going to say Shabbat, but of course we weren't keeping Shabbat back then. And his sermons were all about Survivor. It used to drive me nuts. I'm like, what is he talking about? What's this? Right. No, the real survivors is us. The survivors in the nations. Especially in the nations right now. Are you going to be able to survive? I'm going to be able to survive. I'm not going to be afraid. Because I'm going to apprehend Mount Zion in my mind, in my prayer life, and in my daily walk. That's what all this teaching is about. Folly aside... That's just my humor, because I need, excuse me, to have a really crazy sense of humor to deal with being me. Because life is very serious when you're me, and there's a lot of responsibility, and I am in the fire. So I literally, don't I, son, switch from being major intense to being a big, silly comedian. Because, man, it's either I'm either on or I'm off. And uh, So forgive me. I've been in the mix a lot lately in some of the most amazing challenges of my life. But it's good. It's some good stuff because it's going to help you guys and help the kingdom of Yahuwah in the reality of what's going to be happening in the next six months. And I know it for a certainty so it's all training and i'm feeling good and strong all glory unto yahuwah verse 19 of isaiah 66 i will put a sign on them and i will send them as survivors to the nations to tarshish to paul to lud that draw the bow to tuval and yavan you're making a bow right larry what kind of bow are you making a recurve. Larry's actually going to make a recurve bow. We've got some fellas with compound bows. So, you know, we're, we're getting ready for the natural. Yeah, so, got to balance things. It's not all spiritual, right? The ammo's going to run out. All right, get back on track. Tarshish, pull, lud, that draw the bow to Tuvan and Yavan, to the coastlands far off, and that have not heard of my fame, neither have they seen my Tifereth, my glory. And they shall declare my Tifereth glory among the nations. Now here's the key. Let's see if we are in line with our eschatological future. Verse 20 and verse 21, we're going to do some digging. And they shall bring all of your brothers. Does that sound like a limited, restricted class of a family line within Levi in the eschatological future? Does it sound like a book of the law reality? No, it doesn't, does it? This is, this is the future. So we should start living 
for the future now. And it is all of your brothers for an offering to Yahweh out of all nations. That's Goy. Upon horses and upon Merkavot chariots and upon litters and upon wagons and upon swift beasts. Bring them to my holy mountain in their mindset, in their prayer life, in their reality. Bring the kingdom down into our world right today. That mountain is his holy mountain. Hebrews 12 verse 22. Bring it here. Bring it here, says Yahuwah. As the children of Israel shall bring an offering in a clean vessel. All right? So no lard in this vessel. It's going to be a clean vessel. It's going to be kadosh. What I put into my body. How I live. What I put into my body. And I'm going to bring it into the house of Yahuwah in my prayer life. In my worship. Oh, it feels good to worship, does it not? Just to sing. I love to sing unto Yahuwah. And don't be commenting on my singing voice or anything like that. Not very nice. Verse 21. Here's the kicker. Mingled. Mingled. Didn't we start out with being single and mingling? And that was Abraham when he was Avram. He was single and he was mingled. And I did have a joke about the fellow in the back with a moustache, but check it out. Mingled. The Hebrew word here is lachak. Lachak. And it means those that are mixed together in the nations because this is fulfillment of the prophecy given to Avram in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Remember Isaiah says there was two qualifiers about the kingdom in the eschatological future being part of our reality. You've got to be in covenant, a Sabbath keeper, but most importantly, salvifically, under the Lamb that's from Mount Zion. So this is not to a protected class, is it? It's to all people that are mingled they are survivors in the nations that come into the Malkitzedic priesthood under the Lamb who sits upon the throne, the right hand of the Father on the throne, interceding for us daily that we can bring it down through prayer and worship and study, living it in this reality, changing the jurisdiction, challenging the jurisdiction of this world and removing ourselves and saying, no, no, I don't have to fight. Now I'm going to talk about a movie. Remember Matrix? When Neo came out of the Matrix, at first he was learning to fight and dodge the bullets and he was jumping buildings and run. But at the end, he's like, it's, it's all code. It's all statutes. It's all code. It's all administrative rules. It's... No. No. Jurisdiction. 
It's crazy. Because my jurisdiction changed when I was 24, and it wasn't my own doing. You can't take it from me. It comes from the Lamb, and the Lamb is alive. And He is interceding for me. And He has made me an iron pillar. And He has made me a defensive city. And He has made me that I shall not be afraid of their faces. And He has given me the words to speak before men and before nations and kingdoms and priests. I just brought Mount Zion down into my reality. Now, do I have to fight for it? Yes. Could I be double-minded? Yes. Yes, I have to fight for it. But fight for it in your prayer life, in your study, in the way you walk, and the blessings come. Will you be fearful? Will you have doubts? Will you wonder? Yes, just like the prophets did. But he is with you. He's with us, guys and girls, in these days, I promise you. Because the prophets promise us. It's so true. We have got nothing to be afraid of. You've got nothing to be afraid of. Nothing. No. No. I do not consent. No. I teach my children three things. That's it. Just like Jonah, three days in the belly of the whale. Private. I do not consent. I reserve all my rights. What's your name? Private. How old are you? Private. Where do you go to school? Private. Where are you going? Private. Come with me. I do not consent. Well, you need to do I reserve all my rights without prejudice. Give me a break. It's all a bunch of code. And this is Mount Zion from above because I am covered by the blood of the Lamb and I have been taken out of the jurisdiction of the devil and the people that are in that jurisdiction are afraid they are terrified they are dying in a dying world of COVID-19 where everything's plundered and collapsing and we are being enticed by our minds, by the news, and by the world to gravitate to that. No, we're not going to gravitate to that world anymore. It's been going on for six bloody months. I'm done with it. And you're done with it too. It's going to stick with us, but it's not going to stick to us anymore. We are the king's children. And we're not the king's kids. We used to say that in the church. Because kids are farmyard animals that are put in stalls called FEMA camps. No, we are children. And we are not parents.
parents the pair that rents the kids. No, from the state. No, I am a father and my wife is a mother and we have a father in heaven. You see, Babylon is going down and I'm going to kick it in the Lord. What are you doing? My daughter, she's got a mouthful of what? What are you eating? Good grief. She bring, my children bring popcorn to watch me teach? This is, this is the reality. <laughs> this is the reality. My children bring popcorn to watch their father teach. And what have we got? Pellegrinos, soft drinks. What is this? What kind of outfit? You're blooming, Henry. Good night. Got cheese crackers. See, <laughs> Henry, this is outrageous behavior. This would never have flown in the Catholic Church, would it? Never. They'd have had us out the blooming door, wouldn't they? Defrocked us before you could say, Hail Mary. First Peter chapter 1, verse 10. I'm flipping into another text for you. But back on the text of Isaiah 66, because I want to link the two. Remember in verse 21, I talked about, it is about all of your brothers coming from the nations. That you are mingled, the Hebrew word there, lachak, among them. Before you get to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, I jumped ahead. I've got to finish where I was. I'm having too much fun today. I'm going to finish where I was, because otherwise we're going to never get where I need to go. Isaiah chapter 66 verse 18. This is the most unorthodox teaching I've done in a long blooming time. And don't you dare be mean to me in the comments section or in the chat today. No, you guys are usually pretty good. I've got to tell you, I've got to tell you, we've got some good moderators. We've got Diesel, Diesel not dad anymore, Diesel grandpa up there in Snohomish and um, many others. And of course the Shabbat crew down there in Arizona, baking in the heat. And they shall bring all your brothers, Isaiah 66, verse 20, all your brothers to Yahuwah as an offering out of the nations, goy upon horses and upon chariots and upon litters and upon wagons and upon swift beasts. To my holy mountain, Jerusalem, says Yahuwah, as the children of Israel bring an offering in a clean vessel into the house of Yahuwah, verse 21, mingled lachak, among them, the Hebrew word, la kohanim, la leviim, says Yahuwah. So if we break this down in the actual Hebrew, verse 21, it says thus, lachak, kohan, leviim, amar, Yahuwah. That's it. Lachak, kohan, leviim, Amar Yahuwah. Remember that. Make a note in your Bible software because now I'm going to connect it to Genesis and 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 and then tie it in in a nice, neat package to Revelation 14 and then I'm going to get into some of her popcorn and have a Pellegrino <laughs> afterwards. That's the plan. And let's see if we can do it. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Of this salvation, Isaiah the prophet, one of them, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully. 
What salvation? The eschatological Zeon coming down into our present reality today in this COVID-19 pandemic world. They've actually inquired of this time. They have searched carefully who prophesied of grace that would come to you. That grace is the lamb that has come to us. Searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Messiah, who was indicated when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Messiah. We're talking about Isaiah here in particular. Of the glories that would follow, to them it was revealed, not to themselves, but to us they were ministering. So this wasn't necessarily revealed so Isaiah could know it, but it was revealed to us. They were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who preached the gospel. Peter told us that the prophets of old didn't write for their time and their benefit. But their writings were for our admonition to bring Zion down into our present day reality. So we won't be a bunch of depressed believers affected by this COVID-19 depressing world. The truths of what these prophets wrote were not revealed to those prophets, such as Isaiah. They testified of the sufferings of Yahushua and the transformations that he alone could usher in. The opening of Isaiah, chapter 66, verse 1, says, No earthly temple can contain Yahuwah. Then it's balanced with its conclusion to the heavens and to the earth. It's a new creation by Yahuwah. This is the visionary temple. It's a place of universal worship. We know that the priesthood under Melchizedek is very different from that which was under the book of the law. That was restrictive. It wasn't open to all nations. It could not fulfill the prophecy of Genesis chapter 12 verse 3. It cannot be our present or eschatological future. For under the law, one family... Aaronic, from one tribe, Levi, exclusively was admitted to the priesthood and the Gentiles as unclean, were so far from having it in their power to discharge that priesthood that they were forbidden to enter into the temple. Is that what you're saying that our reality is? Heaven forbid. Unfortunately, that's what the Messianic movement as a whole teaches. Yet here in Isaiah chapter 66, fulfilled here in Revelation 14, prophesied by Isaiah and prophesied by the writer of the book of Hebrews in the 12th chapter, the Gentiles, the Goyim, are elevated by Yahuwah to the highest honor. To the highest honor. Now unclean and polluted nations are reckoned to be holy people. How could that be? Isn't that what happened in Exodus chapter 19? When a mixed multitude came out, they were all elevated to a holy status under what? The book of the covenant. This is the eschatological future. And then all are admitted inside verse 19 of Isaiah 66. We're on track. This ministry is prophetically on track 
to apprehend the blessings of Yahuwah in our life for a sure and certainty. I testify to you as a living man that it is true. With fear and great trembling and my comedic nature aside, that just helps me get through the depressing times. When I sing by myself in the shower. This is talking about messianic reformation. Because the Aaronic priesthood, it must change and it must cease for these things to happen. And when did that happen? At the destruction of the temple? No. It happened the moment that John the Immerser, Mikford Yahusha, in the heavenlies, and it happened the moment that Caiaphas rent his garment, disqualifying the Levitical priesthood. And from that point onward, it ceased to function because under the book of the law, the Aaronic priesthood did not admit the Goyim, the Gentiles, or any other tribe but Levi. Look what it says in Numbers chapter 18, verse 7. Therefore you and your sons with you shall shoma, that you shall guard your priest's office for all things pertaining to the altar and inside the veil, and you shall serve. I have given your Cohen's priest's office to you as a gift for service, and the girl, the stranger, the Gentile that comes near, shall be put to death. Pretty limiting, pretty restrictive, and totally in opposition to the prophecies of Isaiah chapter 66. The book of the law cannot be a part of our present day reality because it cannot be a part of the eschatological Mount Zion. This is a proof text, and this teaching today a proof text that this ministry teaching the Malkijetic priesthood is prophetically on track that we can apprehend the promises of Yahweh and live powerfully in a perishing world. Powerfully in a perishing world because the jurisdiction has been challenged by the blood of the Lamb and He has changed our status. And I'm testifying to you of that today. We've just got to bring it down in our prayer life in our minds, deep within us, and now walk it out to get the victory and to be able to navigate the days in which we live. This is powerful, powerful. Let me finish up Isaiah 66, because we find right there non-Israelites in the priestly service unseen since the mixed multitude of Exodus 12 at the book of the covenant mountain. The book of the law reality, none of this would be possible. This is only possible under Melchizedek. It's only possible under the Lamb. It's only possible in the book of the covenant. It has to be realized today. But we see in Isaiah 66 that the Gentiles are said to be taken as such. So it cannot be a literal book of the law interpretation. It has to be a literal book of the covenant reality 
after messianic reformation and as such it's talking about the nations the gentiles the goyim coming up to the temple look isaiah 66 verse 20 all encompassing all your brethren is it a limited restricted class where the goyim are put to death according to the torah no all tribes together as priests mingled lachak verse 21 with the levites they're mingled lachak with the levites that's what the text says that's how it should be they are all one in messiah galatians 4 48 and first peter 2 verse 5 and look at the culmination in isaiah 66 and we're finished here verse 21 and from them likewise will i take some la koanim la levim saith yahweh that's from the masoretic text there is no conjunction and in the text it doesn't say like the king jimmy and i will also take some of them no it doesn't say that that's the funky monks inheriting it from the masoretes that were a bunch of synagogue of SA 10 counterfeits. It doesn't say for priests and for Levites. That would be a different Hebrew word. That would be pronounced le koanim u le levim. But it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. It says la koanim, la levim. There is no conjunction and in the text. It's been added by the translators. It is a mingled lachak among them. La, la koanim, la levain, says Yahuwah. It's lachak koan levi amar Yahuwah. This, my brethren, is the prophetic fulfillment of the book of the covenant reality. Malkizedek brought into our reality today. And it is powerful for our standing. It's apprehending the Mount Zion, Revelation 14, and bringing it down. I hope that makes sense. I might even connect it more and make this a two-parter because I banged on on some rabbi trails today or folly trails. Let's see if you guys are going to be nice to me in the comments or if you're going to hammer me in the comments. I don't think you will, but you never know. Let's see. I'll have to get to my spectacles out spectacles testicles wallet and watch that's what they used to say that's you have to remember that when you went to catholic church right wait, 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 wait right that's, they came up with that rhyme okay all right see where we're going live chat yep go to the live chat Boom. If you want me to answer a question or respond to anything, be nice. Um, read me up. If you know how to do that, I think you do it at Torah to the Tribes. Boom. We've got Shiloh out there. Shiloh is out there doing the great work of one of the greatest facilities, the United States postal service and he's busting out a bunch of hebrew 
in the chat. Shabbat Shalom Shiloh. I don't know where you are located. You have to give me a ping. Don't know where you are. I know you've been all over the place. I believe Shiloh was at, um, um, where was he? South Dakota, weren't you? I think you were there for the uh, president. Kevin Niebling says, I said to myself I shouldn't see anymore because then I start fantasizing about what I'd do if I caught someone you know. I don't know what you're chatting about, Kevin Niebling, but I think we're going fishing. To, is it tomorrow or Monday? I think we're going fishing, so we've got to connect about that. Torah to the Tribe says, put your questions in front, red highlight in front of your questions. So, let's see. Thanks for the fire. Truth hurts. Well, thank you. Now, the Southwest Goat Lady says, our kingdom has a wheel within a wheel within a wheel, which is never-ending and righteous cycles. But S.A. Tan's kingdom is flat and linear and is finite. Malki Zedek winners. Amen. Thank you, Southwest Goat Lady. Let's see. Much more truth. Shabbat Shalom, Brandon. He says, I was just having this exact conversation last night with a friend trying to explain the Malkitzedic priesthood. Ah, fabulous, fabulous. Now, Kevin Niebling's responded that we are going fishing on Monday, okay? And we are not buying the $400 rods, buddy, okay? I mean, I will catch them with my hands or stone them to death before I drop four hundies on a rod set. That's not going to happen. So no spending money on rods, okay? We'll make our own or something. Figure it out. Or we'll just look at the fish. We don't have to kill them. All right. <laughs> All right. Be elite tactical. All right. What does elite tactical says? The sealing of the 144,000, those who are sealed, will they know specifically which tribe they are being sealed to? Will it be a conscious sealing? Oh, we're moving fast here. Where did you go? That would be experienced. Okay, that's a great question. Elite, be elite tactical. I believe what will happen is there will be the supernatural reality coming down into our present reality of the sealing. And those that are sealed on the first day, they're going to let everybody know and it's going to be very apparent that they were sealed. So then you'd go back to the book of Numbers and you'd go, well, what tribe was sealed on the first day? Oh, okay, I'm of that tribe. And then somebody else is going to go, well, I was sealed on the sixth day. Okay, so you'd go back to the book of Numbers in the Torah and you'd find what tribe was sealed on the sixth day. And you'd be like, oh, I'm from that tribe. That's how we'll all know. So whoever gets sealed on the first day, let us all know. Because we're all depending upon you for our tribal allegiance. All right, Chris and Chelsea haven't seen you guys in like eight years. Thanks for the support, not. Give me a break. Where have you guys been? All right, we're still here. I'm just being a little facetious, but give me a break. My family was encouraged today reading Acts 8, where Philip is led to approach the Ethiopian, studying Isaiah's words, prophesying about Yahusha, his heart was so ready to hear. Amen. Amen. So there she just got handed some of my comedic 
action so it'll either go down well or not don't be easily offended anybody because you know i'm a salty dog and i had lots of marmite this morning which is apparently and coffee which has apparently affected me much more truth says are you going back to revelation 13 and daniel 7 lots of meat there no you're going to be talking about it on friday nights didn't you get the memo all right here in obey shabbat shalom he says or maybe she says do you think that we only need to obey part of the torah according to your malkitzedic beliefs i am under the under the sting impression that all of Yah's word is who he is. All of Yah's word is all, all who he is. From Genesis 1-1 to the end of the book in Revelation, all of Yahweh's word is perfect. But we cannot say that all of it is in covenant. Meaning that we are to look at the covenant, what has been blood ratified covenant and what isn't. And that doesn't mean that we just abrogate the law. Heavens forbid, but we have to rightly walk out in covenant. Otherwise, the next thing you know, you're going to have people telling you to go and sacrifice animals because that's in the book of Leviticus. They're going to be telling you that you need to be wearing this and doing that and treating women this way and doing this all according to Levitical hierarchy. But are there amazing precepts and words and is it perfect yes but is it covenant that's blood ratified no it was the book of the law that was added for transgressions until the time of reformation when the seed would come to bring us back into the covenants of promises ephesians chapter 2 that's all i'm saying and those that try to challenge or make you know a, a mockery of what the malkitetic priesthood they try to just say you're doing away with the law heavens forbid we are rightly dividing the word of torah to what is blood ratified covenant and that which is not and so we continue liz rockwell shabbat shalom what is your opinion on someone wanting to get an exorcism Ooh, what should i do if i know someone who wants help that is demonically possessed trying to hurt themselves duct tape first thing duct tape them up so they can't hurt themselves secondly sit them the henry down while they're duct taped up and ask them if they've been messing around with ouija boards ask them if they've been messing around with sexual immorality ask them what their eyes have been looking at ask them if they've had sra and i won't spell that out to you ask them where they're coming from because a lot of times these problems have rootings in sinful behaviors a lot of people have done some bad stuff with wickedness and witchcraft and there's consequences that need to be confessed repented of and you can't just call up matthew nolan and say hey can you come and meet somebody on the side of i-5 and do an exorcism because I'm like, what the heck am I getting into? Who is this person? Are they living right? Are they converted? What have they been up to? What is their background? 
So we need to have reason and balance. And I will not walk into a trap, and neither should you, because there are a lot of warlocks and witches out there that are trying to take captive men's thoughts. And I say, no. All right? So, cool, I am fired up today. Get me out of here and give me some peanuts. <laughs> All right, Cairo Alexander says, well, where did he go? He went, he locked, oh, my screen is moving fast today. You guys are having a good time in the chat, apparently. All right, I don't know where you went. Oh, there you are, Cairo Alexander. Hello, Matthew. When Yeshua is here, will he be angled towards the church he left in Peter? And will you learn to say Catholic Latin Mass if he asks you to? Serious question. What? When Yeshua is here, will he be angled towards the church? Learn to... That's a hypothetical. Won't go there. I don't do a hypotheticals. What happens if... Ah, it's a hypothetical. I, I like to live in reality. I don't know. I mean, you know, Yahushua's on the throne, and when he comes, I tell you what I'll be doing. I'll be lying flat on my face before him, worshipping him. That's all I know, with fear and trembling, in a prostate position, because he alone is worthy, worthy to be praised. And if anyone has a problem with the worship of Yahushua, understand that Yahuwah is Echad, it is a compound unity, and the disciples worshipped Yahushua because they understood that it was the manifest glory of Yahuwah in this world. You shall only worship Yahuwah your Elohim. Yahuwah is one, Echad, a compound unity, and he tore out his bosom and his bosom was manifest as the flesh from heaven that walked amongst us to do the work of redemption. Thus crucified and resurrected and the flesh ascended into the heavens. The blood spilt on the heavenly altar and now the compound unity, Yahuwah, Psalm 119 verses 1 through 7 sits interceding for us as the Echad plurality. So don't give me any of this trying to divide up Yahuwah into three persons business because that's a triunity. So if you want more information on that, Truth or Trinity on our channel, you can check us at BitChute or YouTube if we're still up there, right? Yashub from Austria, Shabbat Shalom Yashub says, Looking scripturally, the mark is a symbolic stamp or sign that symbolizes allegiance with the beast. So it cannot be an RFID chip or a vaccine that you don't know what is for. Right on. Yashub, let me hit Yashub up again. He says, I think it will be in the name of Allah, which is 666 in Greek. 
People have forgotten the illegal Muslim immigrants allowed in for this future Antichrist mark. So Yashub has got some good stuff to say. We did cover that a little bit last week on the different applications and thoughts when it came to the mark of the beast. Now, Tamara McKee, Shabbat Shalom, Tamara. Tamara, 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 as I tell you, they're everywhere. I praise Yah that he led me to you. Well, praise Yah. She says, you're amazing. Well, all glory to Yahuwah. I'm a little silly today. I live in Arkansas, and we've been put under a mask order in public or be fined. Can I just say no? I don't need any fines. Oh, my goodness. I can't say, give you legal advice. I, know, I mean, not on this public blooming platform because, of course, it's YouTube. I would love to be able to help you, though. Um, I would connect with Tamara at the Shabbat Fellowship. Go to Torah to the Tribes um, forward slash connect and get on the Shabbat Fellowship, get on the Facebook page and get into their group and maybe pose that question there and we might be able to get you an answer because people do have some very valid questions on how to navigate the days in which we do do live. Aha, Arc Angle Welding asks, do you see another lockdown coming like we do? Oh, lockdown, buddy. It is time to go back inside, you naughty little belligerent children. Right? That's the way they treat us. Wards of the core, infants, belligerents. No, we are the living man and woman redeemed by the blood of the lamb bring zeon down and we can do amazing things in these times and these days so we have to attribute this revelation 14 hebrews 12 verse 22 and isaiah 66 apocalyptic vision to change in our life because i'm not going to live in fear i'm not going to live in my apocalyptic world all the time Yes, I like to delve in it because I, what are you, the missus is laughing at me because it is fun. Son, do you enjoy it? My son loves it. He does because we do all kinds of fun stuff. We do wrestling, we shoot, we do a lot of hand-to-hand -hand combat, plus we get into a lot of law, a lot of, of course, first and foremost, prayer and scripture, but we are in the fiery furnace and it's pretty exciting, isn't it? Got ourselves a new shotgun, super great. Highly recommend the Benelli M4. Those of you out there that are looking for a shotgun, it is phenomenal. It's got the pistons in it. I mean, we've been blasting like, and I'm ready. If that mole comes up, he is a goner. And Peter, you know what I think of Peter. And I'm not talking P-E-T-E-R. I'm talking people for the ethical treatment of animals well they better stay out of my yard and i'm will leave it at that now my wife's mouth has hit the ground her f jaw is open and i'll leave you with that give us some thumbs up you know it was wild today i'm wild today and you're wild because you're still tuned in so thank you thank you for all your support I mean, we do live in amazing times. Please consider donating to the ministry. 
We love you. I love you. Thank you. It's been an amazing journey. And I tell you what, I've got a lot of you out there that have been amazingly, amazingly supportive in these times. Thank you. Bless you. Yahweh's with you. He really is. He loves his children. And he's interceding for us daily. But it is time for us to control our minds, to wash our minds daily with the washing of the word, to pray down. That's the challenge for the week, all of you. Let's pray down Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, into our daily reality. And let's start walking it out in this COVID world that we live in because we can change because we've been purchased jurisdictionally challenge the world in which we live because the lamb has changed our status shabbat shalom baruch hashem yahuwah